Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. Not except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing well, man. How about yourself? What are you working on, man? Oh, some esports. Yep. I had to, had to find a way to make money, but it's it's uh, actually these kids, there are no substitutions, and they don't get tired. So, like, the starters play, and it's about that easy. Matt's got a graph paper over here working mm-hmm. on. God got my charts. What. Got my num from last night, late last night. And you got all the all the numbers there. What is this again? Uh, just uh, DraftKings has always had like esports, okay. like video games. Uh, so like it's the same thing. I get you. Very a lot of it's structured similar to like basketball or in theory like the scoring sort of like volleyball, but assist kills things like that. I don't know if the third member of our team, our lockdown corner here on the show, knows a lot about esports, but he is a renaissance man, not just here on Longhorn Blitz, but on 104.9 The Horn, where you catch him each and every weekday from 3 to 7 as part of that triple option afternoon show. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants of 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree... Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, Impressive, uh, as always. How's everything going, Rod? You good? Everything's good. Yeah, man. Good. Everything's real good. Could use some sports, but it's all right. Yeah. Still we, We've got the last dance Healthy. and other things to... Yeah. We're we're running we're running that draft conversation as long as we can milk Keep that thing going. for. NFL is going to release the schedule soon. You'll have that. Very true. And yeah, I mean we're, we're we're so bored now. We're talking about Texas versus Texas A and M again. So you know how that goes. <laughs> that's <laughs> how you know you've gotten to the dead zone of sports. See, yeah. I saw South. though on uh, Sports Center this morning the Korean baseball league has launched off. And you used to only see this league when there'd be massive bat flips, like when it's, it was the one <laughs> league where you saw like actual fun in baseball and you'd see like pitchers like going at batters and vice versa so like at least there's one sport somewhere but it was sure. where they were able to contain everything. Rod you mentioned the Texas Texas A&M thing Chris Del Conte did a virtual chat with us at Horns 24-7 mm-hmm. this week and yeah. mentioned that Texas is trying to schedule opponents that have played for one national championships in the modern era yeah. in college football and uh 
Of course, that's poking the bear because the Aggies haven't done that. Haven't done uh, that. But I compare the conversation as kind of like a prostate exam. Like, you know you're going to have to deal with it, but eh, nobody likes it. It's, it's, no. a necess- it's a necessary evil. I think every, every year it's, it's seasonal, like the yeah. flu. It just comes up every now and then. Yeah. Sorry, that's insensitive during the COVID time. But it's also worth pointing out that we need to distinguish modern era because this is post-World War II. Because there's a difference. Like, some I'm people think Super Bowl era is like, well, that's only like 1967. 60, on. yeah. Like baseball, you talk about the modern era. Some people talk like post-1890. They were, <laughs> we're talking college football. It's pretty old school. We're talking World War II days. So yeah, we're talking what's the modern era? Like 80 years. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, look, and Aggies, you can get mad at me. I don't really care at this point. If Hitler was alive the last time you won a national championship, it's been too long. When no, he was, he wasn't alive. Was he was a good guy. And he was people a, thought he was a good no, no, most, most of the world didn't know he was evil yet. Yes. Like, actually, like, people were like, he was Time Magazine Man of the Year at one point. And yeah, I, like I don't 36. know what year was that, right? Yeah. So people, I think that within like two or three years of that, he was Time Magazine Man of the Year. So people still thought he was a good guy. Oh, 1938. So, That's what I'm yeah. saying. Last time you won a national title, yeah. people thought Hitler was a good guy. There you go. That's a problem. That's uh, a <laughs> It's a guy probably what is it, John right. David Crow days. Uh, no, da- John, da- John David Crow was like in the fifties. I was like, right. they were still deciding. They're still deciding between. Well, is he a good guy? What's he doing <laughs> over there? No, he's a horrible, horrible human being. Well, uh, I know a few people that are happy. Rod or uh, some assistant coaches at, at Texas who, uh, as as of today that we're recording this show, the UT Board of Regents is going to approve uh, these contracts, uh, some extensions and raises uh, for right. Herb Hand, Stan Drayton. And Yancey McKnight. So before we get into the raises, let's do the rundown here uh, of contract extensions and the new assistants getting their contracts executed. So all the assistant coaches are, let me see, the following assistant coaches are going to have contracts that run through the 2021 season. Okay. Okay. So it's Chris Ash, Herb Hand, Stan Drayton, Mark Hagan, we'll throw Yancey McKnight in there, uh, Oscar Giles, and Jay Vallotti. All those, basically, you're, with the exception of Chris Ash, your non-coordinator coaches are okay. all on two-year deals that are going to run through 2021. Makes sense. That's the only way you could get them here. Right. They weren't uh, going to come on short deals. Like Andre that. Coleman's deal is uh, listed as a year-to-year contract. Makes sense to me. Uh, type of guy. The two exceptions, Jay Bulware got a three-year deal through the 2022 season. Mike Yersich is on a three-year deal through the 2022 season, which Mike Yersich, that full, that guaranteed contract, paying him $1.7 million a year again. Yeah. I think we've, we've talked ad nauseum on the show about how we agree that yeah. that's probably worth it. Uh, your salary ranges, uh, Jay Valai at 300000 a year, Andre Coleman at 350000 a year, uh, again, all the way up to Mike Yersich at $1.7 million, Chris Ash making 800000 and you might say, well, Todd Orlando was making more as the, as the defensive coordinator. And did the salaries just flip-flop? No, because I think Tim Beck's base salary was more than what Chris Ash was making. But keep in mind, too, wow. Rutgers is yeah. still paying Chris Ash That's true. off of that contract there. So Good it's point. not like Chris Ash is uh, underpaid or underfunded. He's got that revenue stream still coming in from Rutgers. And, and if he does well, just like Orlando, I'm sure he'll get a bump somewhere. In the, if, yeah. if it's a really good defense, which it will be in the first year, we know that. Yeah, that during year three, because we're talking yeah. about Orlando's yeah. third year. Yeah. Now, real quick on that, though, 
people might say, well, you gave the last two defensive coordinators that had a really good year. We did it with Manny Diaz. You did it with Todd Orlando. I don't think Vance, Vance got. I don't it. think Vance got the the bump. But both those it. guys have gotten like raises, and mm -hmm. you know, basically, you elevated those guys after one good year. Uh, would you do that again with Chris Ash? I think you almost have to, don't you? Because isn't that's just the nature of the beast with yeah. well, coordinators in, the in college football, right? Yeah, now. especially well, and in, in the Big Twelve. I mean, if you can, oh yeah, if you can coach a competent defense in the Big Twelve. I think it means even more. Yeah. Agreed. That first so year, he should be even higher. In yeah. theory, if he's yeah. good, he's proven me money. Ain't no doubt. Totally agree. Yeah. So just be on the lookout for that, and we're we'll get to some buy or sell over under stuff in in this show, and we'll carry it over to next week and talking about the, how much this defense is going to get elevated is one of those, and I think we might all be on the same page with that. But, Rod, I want to talk about the salary increases, uh, the raises for uh, some of these assistant coaches. We'll start with Stan Drayton. Stan Drayton going from 515000 a year to 650000 a year. Uh, that's a $135,000 increase. I would think you do that for two reasons. One, I think the running back position – was improved last year with Roshan Johnson moving over. And you, you look at Keon. we talked about this before. Like you look at Keontae Ingram's numbers, he averaged almost a full yard per carry more as a sophomore than he did as a freshman. Mm. And I'm of the opinion the running game was not your problem last year. I think it was either going away from the run too early or not sticking with the run enough in some games uh, and then at times where you maybe you couldn't run, but the one game where you really couldn't run the ball was the Iowa State game, which was the one game seemingly where you wanted to go square peg round hole. So, uh, you know, it, the, the situations that Stan Drayton really didn't have a lot of control over mm. were perplexing. But, Rod, you got the good year from Roshan Johnson. Yeah. And more importantly, your job as the running backs coach, you've got to be an ace recruiter. And Stan, Stan Drayton got B. John Robinson. Yeah, you got a five-star. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, yeah. I mean, you end it, I think, with the biggest reason. You get a five-star running back in there, uh, what's something called the best running back in the country, I think that'll get you a bump right there. And I agree with you, the running back position uh, with Rojo, that was an amazing, amazing coaching feat. And I think he's a natural runner anyway, but still, I mean, he hit the ground running, literally and figuratively, uh, no pun intended there. And I think Keontae Ingram was great, but he was inconsistent. He was a roller coaster, which is what you get from a young player. There really wasn't much of a baseline game to game. You didn't know what you were going to get from Keontae Ingram. He could be the, uh, looking like the best player on the field, or he could go out there and, you know, end up looking like, why is this guy starting over Rojo is what the question most people would be asking. So I just don't know about the consistency, but, yeah, I'm a Keontae Ingram fan. He's just got to get a, bigger, a, a better baseline uh, where his production level doesn't always dip all the time, you know what I mean? I think it dipped probably every other game or so, especially early on. And that's where, like, marrying the two, because you talk about a running backs coach, and a lot of the times, like, at every school it is different, but recruiting does mean a lot, mm -hmm. say to go, and so it depends on how you're weighing everything along those lines and then the allocation of, you know, not necessarily blame, but for deficiencies, where do those go? And every case-by-case -case basis is so tough. But when you look at who he has in the room, like you said, he's been able to not only have one guy in Ingram that's maybe – been able to gradually improve, but he lands the future, which is key if you're going to say, well, maybe he isn't keeping that room as optimal, but he's getting the big-time players to show up on campus. And those are the type of things that you need at Texas. And right now, you look at the room, you got a freshman that's a big-time man on campus, another guy with some gradual growth. And then, like you said, everything he did with Roshan, that could either be just because Roshan's a high football IQ guy, or it could be marrying the two that the running back coach helps articulate these things to. Yeah. And he's got a coach up. 
Jordan Winnington and Jake Smith in that H role when mm -hmm. they decide that you know they're going to be running backs in whatever formation or personnel package you're going to yep. use too. So he's he's integral right now. I mean, at Standard, and you had he had competition. You know, I mean, the the Rams uh, reportedly were that's interested in bringing in Stan Drake. Cowboys were Cowboys. So, you know, when there's competition like that, that's why Jay Bulwer got the salary and the length of the contract he got. You're trying to take him from somewhere. There's competition. There. You're saying same thing, competition. So that always helps you in terms of negotiating a contract. And then, you know, talking about Herb Hand, too, and the coaches and how much those two sort of align together, running backs coach conceptually with the offensive line. I no don't doubt. know the relationship totally between agree. the two, but I assume it's very good. Yeah. So that's why those type of things, they sort of, go together good point so herb hands raise rod is roughly up roughly sixty thousand dollars a year herb hands going to make seven hundred thousand dollars a year to coach the offensive line and again that contract's going to go through 2021 and that's the one that if you ask the fans that's the one that they wonder is that deserved you know should you be giving herb hand that much money i don't know that if it's deserved or not but i will say this this is a huge year for Herb Hand, not just in terms of what your offensive line can do, yeah. but, man, in terms of recruiting. Look at the old line talent in the state of Texas, and it starts with a legacy player in Tommy Brockermeyer, yeah. who's one of the top offensive line prospects in the country. <laughs> if you don't, if you're Herb Hand, you've got this much talent in the state of Texas. And nationally, when you look at a kid like Jonah Miller out of the state of Arizona who's interested in you, if you don't come out of this with one of the Where top two or three offensive line classes in the country – at some point, you're going to have to answer for that. Now, yeah. is that all on Herb Hand? The coordinator's got to play a part in that. You've got area guys, whatever. But Rod, there's a lot on Herb Hand. And then when you look at the offensive line, you've got a left tackle, a guy at a premium position who, say what you want about him, Mel Kuyper has Sam Cosme ranked as the number 12 overall draft-eligible prospect in college football yeah. and the, the number two offensive tackle behind Penny Sewell out of Oregon, who people throw that label generational tackle prospect on Penny Sewell. And you're saying Sam Cosme's got a chance to be number two in a draft class with him. You've got that kind of talent at a premium position. Man, your offensive line better produce. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I like Herb Hand's personality. He is, you know, he's a social media <laughs> samurai, man. He's always on really there. Yeah. He's a, so I, I think he will just in recruiting. I think he'll be able to pull one of those. Uh, those big prospects. I'm not sure which one, but I, I think he will. I, I really do because I think he has a great personality of an offensive lineman. Now, that's different than what is being taught on the field because last year the offensive line regressed. All right? Sam Ellinger was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the Big 12 in terms of sacks per game, uh, so they allowed a lot of pressure. Uh, the running game at times was inconsistent. Uh, there were games where you couldn't impose your will on teams. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Herb Hens, I think, I think Matt's right. I think there's a connection when you look at the pro spread philosophy, which we know Tom Herman, he was committed to keeping the pro spread. He likes the pro spread. He thinks that in terms of a vision of what could be a championship caliber offense, he likes what he brings to the table. That's why he brought in Yersich to basically interpret or reinterpret that offense. Um, but I think it's key, his offensive line and the running game to kind of work in, in continuity, to be working uh, symbiotically. And I think that's why Herb Hand means so much to him. He would hate to have to come in, bring in a new offensive line coach and then think about how fragmented the philosophy would be if he did that. So I, I think there's a method to the madness, and Herb Hand's a big part of that. You mentioned the sack numbers, and I love Football Outsiders because Football Outsiders does sack rate, which is percentage mm -hmm. of – dropbacks that result in a sack. Mm -hmm. uh, and Texas was one of the worst offensive lines in the country. And then when you look at 
sack rate, standard down sack rate, passing down sack rate, however you want to slice it, Texas was one of the worst offensive lines in the country. Yep. And, Matt, I know you've got the numbers in front of you too, mm-hmm. as I do. When you look at some of the, the run game metrics, Rod, whether you're talking about line yards per carry, standard down line yards per carry, great. opportunity rate, Yep. Texas, the Texas offensive line was really One good. The best in the but They're where, elite. But where do they struggle? And you could say this might be the biggest indictment when we talk about <laughs> that consistency factor of her hand. Power success rate, percentage of your runs on third and fourth down with two or fewer yards to go that achieved a first down or a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Texas was 91st in the country yes, as an offensive line in power success. Yeah, that's, Rod, as an offensive line, that's your money down. Well, third, third and short, fourth and short, that's... That's where well, you've got to displace a defender. You've got to move a man against his will and allow your ball carrier to get a first down or a touchdown. And you had Bam Bam Sam yeah. in that situation. I think that's more on the scheme, though, and that's – remember, we remember Ed Erdogan talking about how he knew what they were running the quarterback power. True. Um, no, you're you know, There on. were reports that TCU and Gary Patterson, like they, they basically knew when Texas was going to run a lot of their plays. That's why the DBs were running routes for the receiver. So I think there was how predictable the offense became and that predictability, that rigidity, right, to 11 personnel has got to be this, got to be that, all of that rigidity. I think ultimately it led to the regression on the offensive line, especially in situations where 2018 you were dominant. You were arguably one of the best teams in the country in those fourth and short and third and short situations. Yep. That's, why we, that's why I started calling them Bam Bam Sam, and you regressed on that, and that was – yeah, that was troubling. And that something troubling. that adds to what you're saying on the predictability and the numbers even sort of show it right here. And I haven't seen one team. Actually, it looks like Toledo does have a worse ratio than Texas does. But if we're talking yeah. about power success rate, like you said, 91st. But when you look at stuff rate, which in theory should yeah. correlate well with yeah. it, but it doesn't. Right. Texas is 10th in the nation in stuff rate, meaning <laughs> – they are not getting stuffed very often ever. At the line of scrimmage yet, or behind the line of scrimmage. Yes, yeah. somehow on third and short and fourth and short they are. And that's strictly what you're saying, Rod. That's being predictable. Yeah. That's it in those situations. You're saying most of the time, and it's going to cause the coaches to become more predictable. They're like, well, look at our stuff rate. We're never getting pushed back. <laughs> we need to just go, and we need to get it. But if you're telegraphing what you're doing, yep. then it's going to be something that you can be 10th in the nation in stuff rate. That's but crazy. in power success rate, you're 91st. So situationally, you aren't there. It's a big, drastic thing. Toledo's worse. It looks like Lula's in the same area. But to be 81 spots worse, yeah. That's remarkable, and that sort of articulates why. And then when you look, one thing I agree with you fully about the sack rate, Texas should be much better than they are. But when you have a dual-threat quarterback, running quarterback, your sack rate's naturally going to be higher than if you don't, strictly because he's able to move around in the pocket. If you get tackled one yard behind, it can go down as a sack with the quarterback. So uh, a mobile quarterback sack rate has to be – compared to other mobile quarterback sack rate, compared to just an in-the-pocket statuesque quarterback. If Brady's getting sacked that much, then you got a horrid offensive line. If Sam Ellinger is, sometimes there can be noise there, and it's just you behind the line of scrimmage making plays with your feet getting tackled. Well, and that's also a scheme, too, because we talked about how the very few court design quarterback runs they had in the offense. We were shocked, actually, at how yeah. few they actually and then they had in between the 20s. And also, like, yeah, the scheme of them, they, they were very simplistic. Like, they very very little creativity with the quarterback 
uh, run game for Texas. So it kind of gets to your point, but I think it, we're all kind of making the same point. I mean, mm-hmm. it gets back to the scheme and the coaching ultimately. Yep. And that's why you have to make a damn change. Yeah, it's and, crazy. And, and some of these numbers, you got to really look into them. Like Texas in 2018, in terms of sack rate, they were pretty much middle of the road, middle of the pack mm. in all the metrics. Um, your point how scheme can benefit you. This is why sacks can be such a misleading stat. It mm-hmm. is. It uh, is. Pressure is the best. Much more accurate, I agree. Not top three in the country the last two years in, in sack rate allowed, Washington State. They were number one in t- 2018, yeah. number three last year. Well, you're getting yeah. rid of the yeah, right. You're getting rid of the ball you're so quick. Football, man. And yeah. they're holding on to it till the last second because there's no other option. you got to throw the ball or not. Like, yeah. There's no other thing to read it. Totally agree. But I, I think the point is that we're getting at with Herb Hand and, and, is the, is a, is a, and it's a – I mean, look, $60,000 raise for a coach, an assistant coach at Texas – that's like me getting a $20 raise. Like, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. But uh, I think when you look at the you reward an offensive line coach, I, I think this year, Rod, is going to be the year where kind of the yep. proof is in the pudding for Herb Hand. When you look at year one, uh, any improvement would have been improvement from what the 2017 line was, which we all agree is one of the worst offensive lines we've seen in the history of this program. Yeah. Uh, and injuries had a lot to do with that. But, man, the, the talent just wasn't there. And then you look at 2018 – you know, you get a, a, a pretty much a full year out of Zach Shackelford. Yeah, he missed four games, but you had him down that back stretch when you started to become really good, and you found a diamond in the rough in Sam Cosme and mm-hmm. all these other factors. You get Calvin Anderson in as a grad transfer. And last year, it, the offensive line, it was kind of went hand-in-hand with the offense. Like, one week it would be like, wow, they can run the move ball, people, move yeah. the ball on anybody in the country. And the very next week it's like – Man, I don't know if they can move it against Prairie View. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I ain't going to Prairie View. I know. I well, you need it a battery. Yeah, but you're right. We There's going to be a pinata. you got to pick somebody. Jump. I do that, too. I always bring up Prairie View. Say that's directional how. state you. <laughs> I apologize to the entire SWAT conference. So <laughs> let me just throw that right out there. But, no, it, but it's one of those deals, right? Like, the, again, the proof is in the pudding for her pan. It, it, this is the year where – it's got to come together. You better Agreed. clearly by seasons. And I'll tell you what, if, if Texas, if we're at the end of the season and Texas isn't one of the top one, two, three offensive lines in the Big 12, then you're not going to see the, the nine or 10 or 11 wins that, that we no. think this team is capable of. Totally agree with you on that. If, uh, if that offensive line underachieves, then ultimately the whole damn thing will collapse. It'll hurt Sam's draft stock. Sam won't get drafted as high. They don't. The wide receivers are very un, are unproven commodities at this point. And I've said my prediction is the offensive identity of this team is going to revolve around the run game and that that really talented backfield, which includes Sam Ellinger as a as a dual threat quarterback too. So it's gonna and Sam's going honestly. Sam's going to have to make a lot of plays, throwing guys open. You know, I mean, being as accurate as he's ever been, because I don't think these young wide receivers are going to be creating a ton of separation. Hopefully the scheme will do that. But last year, another thing, the, the route tree, as you pointed out, had very, uh, Jeff, had very few limbs, right? mm-hmm. very few branches on yeah. that route tree. And that also helps. So I think scheme is going to end up helping a lot of the issues that we saw last year with the offensive line. So I want to get to, uh, real quick, before we get to some buy or sell stuff. Uh, I don't think they can pick up a episode. twist and a stunt. Gosh, man, that's, you know what, though, honestly, like, 
Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore had their draft stock elevated because of that Texas game. Yes. No doubt. Oh, like that's, that's, Neville it, Gallimore it, had his best no game doubt. of his and career in that one. No and, and, that, and that's sad. That's an indictment of, mm-hmm. of your offensive line. When, yeah. you have, when you have a game where the opposing defense has multiple guys, like, oh, yeah, I want that on my draft highlight. It's crazy, man. Well, and there are yeah. a few things to be really critical of Herb Hand, but, like, say, something like that, the inability to adjust in a game that big, which was seemed as something that was obvious, it just seems as if – Maybe the message wasn't getting to the players, or just conceptually the players weren't getting it. But as a collective whole, that was pretty big. It seemed like a simple fix that wasn't fixed. I think the yeah. bottom line for me on Herb Hand is this, guys. And I like Herb Hand as an offensive line coach. I've sat, I do, too. I've sat in a clinic and listened to him lecture. And I like his approach to O-line play. But I think it's clear, Rock, the honeymoon period is over. Right? Like yeah. The first year, like, okay, like you have a competent offensive line. And then last year... You left some meat on the bone, kind of like Sam did and the entire offense did. You yeah. feel like you got to the end, and that turkey leg wouldn't pick clean, man. There's still some meat on that bone. And now it's like, all right, it's a put-up-or-shut-up kind of year for, for everybody, offensive line included. Well, when you got a guy that's, like I said, a potential first-round pick, he's gonna unless something really bad happens and he's not. And that would be going to your underachieving thing. If Sam Cosby at this point is not a first-round pick, like everybody's predicting, then that means – that goes back to the talent development, bigger issues. So, yeah, the offensive line is key, man, this year. I mean, that's supposed to be a strength. If it's not a strength, there's a problem. Because to, let's get to the only problem if it's not a strength this year, man. Oh, yeah, because you haven't had a guy like Cosme. Like, I can't even – since you were on campus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, no, I'm serious. Like a tackle. I'm talking I didn't think about a first-round right tackle. Yeah. yeah, like a top ten kind yeah. of tackle. You yeah. had two of them with Leonard and Mike. Okay. I, I wanted to get some stuff on this Caden Stearns to yeah, Zoom conference, but no, no, no. I want, I want to shelve that now because I want to go down this Cosme road since we're there. Mm-hmm. When you look at him as a tackle prospect, Rod, and the comparison is going to be, well, you know, we sat here and everybody talked about Connor Williams being a first-round pick. Well, yeah, everybody was talking about Connor Williams as a first-round pick. Those talk, yeah. But there were two really big knocks on Connor Williams as the draft process went along. One, his arm length or lack thereof was yeah. not desirable. Yes. 70, a 70, I think a 77 and three quarters inch wingspan. Yeah. Which for NFL tackle standards it's is huge. It's, That's, it's, it's bad. Uh, yeah. It's not good. Yeah. And then the fact that he didn't have consistent tape in the games he was able to play his last year at Texas. Yeah, that which meant his best year was in the veer and shoot offense, which as we've seen with some Baylor offensive linemen under our brows, that offense doesn't have a great track record of producing mm-hmm. quality NFL offensive linemen. It's gotten guys drafted high. Yeah. Like Danny Watkins was drafted high. Jason Smith, I think, was mm-hmm. second or third pick in the draft no, yeah, when he came that. out. But those guys haven't been successful at the pro level. So those are two really big knocks on Connor Williams. Mm-hmm. We don't figure scheme is going to be a problem because Tom Herman's offense, there's a lot of that that translates well to the NFL level in that power spread, pro spread, whatever label you want to put on it. And from a physical standpoint, Rod, like I said, Connor Williams' wingspan when he came out was, I think, 77 and three-quarters inches. Last spring, Sam Cosme's wingspan was measured at 80 and five-eighths. Yeah. Not elite, but when you look at some of the first-round tackles that came out in this year's draft, Sam Cosme has a longer wingspan than Tristan Wirfs. Mm. Now, Tristan Wirfs, and we all agree, you see the video of him jumping out of the pool, really athletic <laughs> tackle. <laughs> but I think we see some of that athleticism in Sam Cosme. So the concerns about Connor Williams as a draft prospect aren't going to be the same concerns with Sam Cosby totally as a prospect. Yeah. So to your point, if we're getting to him going to him making a decision 
whenever, and look, maybe it's January. I don't know when the season's going to start. I don't know when the draft's going to be, the early entry deadline. All that stuff's going to have to yes, change if the calendar gets pushed around. Yeah. But if we get to that point, Rod, and Sam Cosme has to make a decision based on, well, we don't think you're a first-round pick now. We think you're more of a day-two type pick. Then something went horribly wrong. And if, wrong. It, and if he, you got a full season out of him, then, yeah, then the problem might not be related to the player at that point. Yeah, totally and when you talk about wingspan, it was the third percentile. So he's in the bottom three percentile of offensive tackle Ooh, prospects. Connor Hunter Williams, Williams was. Uh, so, like, yeah. that's a big di- – almost a deal breaker for some teams. So, yeah. You know, it's like a wide receiver running yeah. a 4-7. Like, exactly. Some people's boards, L.J. So Humphrey. Like, sorry, you're off our board. Yeah, you, yeah, so that drops you out of the first round if you say you're just one out of 33 at the bottom. Yeah, that's why a lot of people look at Connor Williams' rods like guard. He's, he's got, I remember he's that. Got kick yeah, he's, like, he's a guard. Dallas yeah. smart by picking up a Kaya in talent, at, you know, be a guard in the second round. Yeah, That's they might, value. They're thinking about giving him snaps at center just to experiment because Travis Frederick retired on them prematurely. So. Yeah, and then they, what they do, go draft another Wisconsin center. Yeah, man, there's some I love the Cowboys. Wisconsin center replacing with a Wisconsin center. That's one of the great things the Cowboys do. They just stockpile low linemen. Like, we don't know what to draft. Draft another linemen. Get them. Just, just draft another Smart. <laughs> it's like a Shanahan with D-linemen. Yes, and then he always defaults to D-linemen. Hey, stack of strength, man. Stack of, it's like there, Texas and safety. Those safeties. are rare. Stack of strength. There's some thought now that the Cowboys. Connor Williams could be their kind of swing everything guy. Yeah. Maybe he's a guard. Great maybe idea. he's a tackle. Maybe Manufactured he's a depth. Right. I mean, that's ideally not what you want out of a second-round pick. But, hell, I mean, if he can, if he's your sixth man at every position. Just maybe. until his contract is up and he'd be like, all right, while you're with us, this will be your role. But you can go yeah. somewhere else and play whatever you want to play. And, again, yeah. Rod, I mean, you, maybe you don't get a starter out of him, but you've got some value out of that uh, second-round pick, and then you're not giving him the no extension doubt. at that no, point. No, I agree. That's why it's a, massive, it's a massive year for Connor Williams. Well, it is. Yeah, no, it is. I, we've talked about that on the show. It's a big year for Connor Williams because I think if he doesn't, if it doesn't work out this year with them experimenting a little bit and having a void without Travis Frederick, they're going to move on. They might end up trading them or yeah, just, uh, just you know, not releasing them. I mean, and I don't if know. he's Contract able to status. have multiple positions, it'll just add that value because I know we talked about it a ton here. But it was cool seeing Isaiah Simmons discuss it. Did you see the headline right when he was talking right before he got drafted by Kingsbury? He was like, you know, I think teams should really realize. You only have a 53-man roster. If you draft me, it's like you have 56 players. And, like, he just yeah. went, and that was the headline of his exact quote explaining sort of what Smart, we talked man. about of manufactured depth. And if, say, you are deficient or a guy on the border, but you're Connor Williams being open to backing up all five positions, you then can maybe be, well, hey, Jerry, well, now I'm 54, 55, and 56, too, because you it don't have to worry about those. Yeah, yeah. huge. So, real quick, I want to get to, to a couple things in this Caden Stearns call, and I want to get y'all's take on this. So, one thing he the said wolf. that Caden Stearns talked about in this call was that the pandemic and the ramifications of it, some of it might be a blessing in disguise. He said, number one, the communication between the teammates has been better than it otherwise would because you want to check in on guys, make sure guys are, are, are doing mm-hmm. okay, their families are fine. The second thing, Rod, he talked about, this really gives guys a chance to get their bodies right. And when you think about some of these guys, yeah. if some of these guys played peewee football and then went into middle school and then yeah. to high school, and especially if your high school had you know spring training where you're in pads, this is the first chance some guys have ever had since they started playing ball to, to just, let their bodies right. rest. I agree with that. That's now a good you, point. You, the, the component you're missing in this is the strength and conditioning component as we know it. And as Sam mm-hmm. Ellinger said, Caden Stern said the same thing, look, Yancey's giving them workouts. Here's a workout. If you have nothing at home except maybe resistance bands, 
and maybe you've got some milk jugs laying around. You can mm. fill them with water or rocks or whatever. Or <laughs> yep. Maybe you've got a, and Caden said he's fortunate enough, he's got a little weight set up in his garage. So, hey, you've got a, a barbell. Here's some stuff you can do. So mm-hmm. guys have yeah. workout plans. Inventive MacGyver in it. But they're from a, he's from a family, too, that's a uh, workout thing, right? right? His, his, his brother played brother Oklahoma played. State. Yeah, yeah, so they, so. they yeah. probably already accumulated, like, weights and all kind of stuff. Yeah. You know that's your I mean? San Antonio Metroplex, Ellinger. Like how Ellinger can have <laughs> yeah. all the Austin guys yeah. come work out with him and then go work out with Stearns there. So, I, I, Rod, I'll pose this to you since you've been in, in this bubble, this football bubble. I look at it and say, yeah, it can be a negative. Like, whenever you do get back to contact, whether guys have a, you have a mini camp in July mm-hmm. or you get back in August or whatever, you do worry about the physical impact of that of guys being so long without contact and then jumping back into it. Yeah. Without having the strength conditioning component, you are setting yourself up probably for some guys to have injuries. But I'm of the opinion I think that negative is outweighed by the benefit of what is this team going to look like when guys actually are able to now let injuries really heal and let their bodies heal? And you are, whenever you get guys back, you are going to get a team back that is for Tom Herman. Maybe a guy like Caden Stearns has battled knee injuries his whole time at Texas. Yep. Maybe you are actually going to get a 100% Caden Stearns. Like we did it with Jonathan Gray or something where it seemed like a guy mm-hmm. came in and There's had 5,000 carries on him already. You yeah. know, and it's like, that's, especially if you're one of these kids growing up in Texas, and I heard you on the drive-in talking about it, like, we're talking peewee football, middle yeah. school football, and yeah. summer camps. And then this is there. I remember my class in 02 is one of the first that did seven-on-sevens even toward, like, just the constant, constant body terror that you man. have. Exactly. And yeah. then these kids in the specialization these days, they play more football than you ever have. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, a healthy Caden Stearns. And we hadn't seen it since his true freshman year. That and was he, that was his great And that was year. when he was the, one of the best safeties in the country. So, yeah, he's healthy. I mean, you're talking about a guy that can play in an All-American type status. So I'm with you. I mean, that's something that's un, like it's, this is an unprecedented event, and we've never mm-hmm. really seen anything like it. That may be one of the few benefits that comes out of the whole thing is that, yeah, got a lot of guys who have been in that grind for a decade plus. Yeah. Uh, and All the I, Texas kids. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I didn't, I didn't play football until I was in seventh grade. Like, mm-hmm. tackle football, like, yeah. with pads on until I was in seventh grade. And I think, honestly, it, I probably would have burnt out or, you know, hurt myself a little bit sooner and ended mm-hmm. my career. Because I truly believe that you only got a certain amount of reps in your body. The game's just too hard on you. It's amazing when guys can play like Frank Gore still playing that's for absurd. the Jets. Like, that's, it, that, that, that is a, that's unbelievable, man. That feat, I'm telling Superhuman. you. Superhuman. It really is, man. It is extraordinary to be able to do that because the game, it, and, and like you said, the year-round training mm. and all that, it just grinds on you so much. And to do it for a decade, long, a decade plus, whether it be since you started when you were 15 or you started in Pee Wee League, mm-hmm. your body is just not made to put up with that kind mm-hmm. of grind. And it just, it just deteriorates so much. And kids uh, play even younger yeah. these days. I mean, Gronk what? talked about how Gronk was in tears yeah. uh, two years ago when he retired, talking about how how hard the game has been on his body. He was like, I don't even find joy in my life anymore yeah. because literally it leads to a depression. When your body's not in good shape, mm-hmm. everybody knows it leads to a, a physiologically a mental depression. Yep. And it, then it becomes a cycle. And he talked about that year off, now he wants to play again. Mm-hmm. Now it helps that he's not playing with Belichick because Belichick notoriously, like Saban, will grind on yeah. you. Right. It's like dog years, they say, when, you, when, you, when you're when under that kind of regime. Now, 
now. It produces results, but it also grinds up guys like in the meat grinder. So I think that uh, Gronk, he's kind of another one of these poster boys, like the COVID is going to help all those guys because he needs the break. And he's talked about how yeah. fresh his body feels now. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you look at, uh, I mean, the laundry list from your Patrick Willis's to your Keekleys. I mean, yeah. we saw first your Barry Sanders, but to your Calvin Johnson, like you've had all these league guys. What if they would have had just in that incidental year off where if Ricky didn't need that at 25, 26 after all of his carries, if you just got that before between college and the pros. So it's just a, a silver lining that could possibly come from the situation. And then it's worth mentioning that, Jeff, you would know more, but I assume that kids are playing even more at the varsity oh, level yeah. younger. Even then in your day well, in my day. So you have freshmen and sophomores, they're playing three or four. It's like how Jonathan Gray was the lead back in yeah. Lido since his freshman the year. Other, like the other guy who we, we haven't talked about on the injury, like Horns 24-7, our roundtable topic this week was, which guys are under hype for this offseason? And the guy I picked on defense was B.J. Foster because wow. you forget at times how much that shoulder injury set him back last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my point was, think of, go back to 2018 and think about what a healthy B.J. Foster looked like. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the maybe the biggest, as good as Caden Stearns was, I don't think Todd Orlando had an impact defender like B.J. Foster in terms of a guy that could play over the top, in the slot. He was your best blitzer. Mm-hmm. Like, so many different things he could do for you. Bludgeoner. Right. So, <laughs> Worked so, well for him being off. There's a guy like that and out, coming off the that. shoulder surgery. He's, he's not, he's not going to have to worry about rushing back. Like, he'll be, he'll be yeah. good to go. The other guy who this is going to help, this is going to help Sam Ellinger. Because, Matt, to your point, how much football oh guys are God. playing, think about Sam at that position, Rod. Not only are you playing that position, and, you know, you go through spring practice in high school, but you're leading the seven-on-sevens. You're throwing all the time. This is the first time maybe, I don't know, since he was a kid yeah. that Sam Ellinger's had a chance to let his yeah. – just let the body rest a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he was still that. fighting through injuries. Like, he was going like a pro player at Westlake. Like, he had multiple season-ending injuries, but fighting back for injury for one more season. Like, that's how I professionals him, play, and he's doing that at, like, 14 I watched him beat Katie on one leg. <laughs> In a regular season game. <laughs> That's crazy. That's a lot. No, I played, played basically damn near that whole game with a torn meniscus. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go and start talking about a team full, now everybody across college football is going to have the same situation. Right. But you're but, talking about players that are key top end players that are quite physical. So could really help, especially in a conference that's known as like a finesse conference. If you that. come back with physicality. Remember, it was 2019, the first year Sam hadn't had an injury and his. Five, so that we know of, five but he did have the rib deal. I know, but that, the one that missed missed yeah. the game because yeah. missed game time because and that's just because he's a tough sob. Since his right. junior year of high school, yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah, like going on four years, yeah. That's a, yeah, it's a good point. But you know, to your point, Matt, yeah, everybody gets that advantage. But I think this goes back into Tom Herman's mindset. If my guys, if I've got the very best of my guys, yeah. I think all of my guys at one hundred percent are going to beat just about everybody else's at one hundred percent. Yes. I love that. And if your phys- if and if your bodies feel better and you're in a conference that's viewed finesse and then you can be physical, that's huge. Well, this also goes though to to, to Yancey McKnight now because no, I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking Yancey McKnight or anything, but injuries. one of the reasons for all these injuries, uh, one of the beliefs was that the strength something was going on with the strength and conditioning program, and I don't know if they investigated that or not, or at least that was one of my theories. I'm going to say a lot. Of that's usually where the finger gets pointed first um, when you have injuries. It's but a strength program. Yeah, well, I mean, you should investigate it. And yeah. I wonder, part of the deep dive for Tom Herman, did he investigate that? That is something you need to look at because if guys come back and they are healthy and yet come back into a strength and conditioning program that is somehow exacerbating some of those injuries, that's not necessarily a good thing.
thing. Nothing, I'm not saying anything is happening, right. but it is worth looking into. Also, part of it was just Todd Orlando's terrible technique for tackling that he would teach these mm-hmm. guys to launch themselves like missiles into ball carriers, which I, honestly I'd never heard of before. I always taught you would bring your feet in you out of control, under control. Um, but no, they were literally taught that Oklahoma, that travesty you saw with C.D. Lamb mm-hmm. juking a lot of guys because they were diving and putting their head down. That's actually what they were taught. They were taught to launch themselves into players. There's quotes from Tarlando talking about that. And it's like, that's, I don't know who taught you how to tackle, but that's not how you're supposed to tackle. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that yeah. ain't it. Not right, whatever it was. That's why we led the Big Twelve in missed tackles. But a lot of those missed tackles ended up with guys getting hurt because they would launch themselves into defenders and shoulders come out because they were out of position and they're or reaching with arms and all that kind of stuff. And I've seen, you know, I was at a clinic uh, where Chris Ash was giving a lecture, and half the lecture, the vast majority of it was kind of his thoughts on tackling and how he kind of had to swallow his pride and say, look, I've been teaching tackling wrong this whole time, and you had to, you had to go back and reevaluate it. He's a firm believer in you know, Pete Carroll teaching that rugby-style yes, tackling. Yeah. And a lot of the drills, Rod, he went through a lot of drill tape at Ohio State. Man, a lot of those drills are either low impact in terms of contact or, or, or no contact. You're just teaching, like, yep. you're just kind of getting that muscle Technique memory of, of it, this yep. is where your hat goes. This is where your feet this should be. Your this is where your arms should be. Your base arms. should be here. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll pull it up and try to tweet it out. But Pete point. Carroll did a whole, I mean, ESPN did a feature on Pete Carroll changing the way tackling. It was involved with the concussion stuff. It was last mm-hmm. offseason. Yeah. But if fans want to know what we're talking about, you can just Google yeah. a Pete Carroll and, technically, and they'll have like a 30-minute thing on it. No, it's supposed to be a safer brand of tackling and more effective is what the Pete Carroll would And tell keep you, you healthy because you aren't ever really contacting it practice exactly and and i and I, chris ash i love the story that he had to convince urban meyer uh, of the to, uh-huh. to, to revamp their tackling techniques like no you got i've done the research on it it's better it's more effective and it's safer our guys will be a lot healthier practicing this technique in practice and it, it they've well, at least p carroll will claim that he's done the studies that it, it leads to less injuries in the game as well because it's a more it's a proper tackling technique yeah. so less upper body injuries as a result of tackling you know, if you know nothing else about Chris Ashrod, I know you like this about him after I told you after I went to that clinic. Yeah. Like the two people that Chris Ash has learned more defensive football from are Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick. Love him, man. You know I love both of those guys. Like yeah. He, he's, he's, lean, he's good friends with Mike Vrabel, and he's apparently leaned on Joe Judge a lot in terms of how to teach tackling technique. Dude, you're, mm. you're making me – you're getting me excited. You're titillating me. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like seriously, I'm getting excited. For can, real, like can, that is that's because he's a he's a football theorist. I yeah. believe, and I think your suggest too. I think I think that and I you know I I believe I'm the one who coined the term, but I'm sure it's going to make the rounds. I think you're a football theorist. A football theorist is willing to go down a rabbit hole to solve a problem, and also not only willing to experiment, but also willing to uh, go outside the box, right? To 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 use the most creative means to solve a problem. Um, whether it be staring you right there in the face or it's something you got to go search for. And I don't know if Tom Herman is necessarily a football theorist, really. I don't know. Not necessarily you can't be a, you can't be a good coach without being a, a football theorist, but football theorists, most of them are willing to um, indulge what most people consider to be the, um, I don't know, the, the crazy, creative, wacky approach to it. And Pete Carroll's that kind of guy. Pete Carroll's always, Belichick's always been that kind of guy. People thought some of the stuff Belichick did was crazy. Man, that's crazy. Why is Belichick doing, why is he drafting 11 quarterbacks even after he's mm-hmm. got Tom Brady? Because Belichick's got his own damn way of doing things. Uh, it works. Know, I mean, value. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. No, but, you yeah. know, one example of a football theorist is John Harbaugh. And, John Harbaugh is a football theorist. And I, and I heard this about John yes. Harbaugh. 
uh, you know, somebody in the Ravens organization said, you know, one of the things that, you know, John Harbaugh is one of the smartest football coaches you'll ever be around. And one of the things that makes him so smart is he's smart enough to realize he doesn't know everything. Exactly. So he's going to surround himself with people that do have the answers, Amen. that can't find the answers. And I think that's a big part of being a football theorist, right? Like we talked about with Chris Ash, admitting he had to swallow his pride and relearn how to teach proper tackling. Part of being a football theorist is realizing it's, it's will, when you're willing to admit that you're wrong. Yep. And that you don't know everything. And you embrace that new knowledge. Like Being those, open-minded, open to new yeah, ideas. Open to new Something ideas. Something like that. You'll listen. You're able to listen. No doubt. Um, can I just throw this out there? Like, you know, Rod, one of the knocks on, we talked about Frank Gore, and I just pulled up Frank Gore's uh, pro football knocks reference on Frank page. Gore. One of the knocks on Frank Gore when he came out of Miami, and it was true because he, he couldn't stay healthy. His injuries. It's crazy. He blew he out a heck of a lot he higher. He had two ACL injuries crazy. in college. Because if that, that backfield where it was him, him, Clinton Portis, Najee Davenport, Willis McGahee, all those guys were in the same running back room. A lot of them got hurt, too. Frank Gore was the most talented guy in that room. There was no, never a question about that. He just mm-hmm. couldn't stay healthy. Um, wow, I forgot. You realize Frank Gore in uh, 13, for 15 NFL seasons at the running back, running position, back position has played 226 regular season games that's still going. And it's not like he was like a part-time player. No. Dude, this dude was like 15 times 15 is 225. He's, he's at 226. He's averaging offense. more than 15 games for that's 15 200, seasons. 204 starts in his career. Dude, he's got a son about to go to college and play yes. football. No, I was joking <laughs> that, what he, the hell? that he could he could be like LeBron. Like LeBron will play with Bronny it's in one crazy. point. Now, Frank Gore, in theory, could almost play with Frank Gore Jr. That would be At crazy. that position that has an incredibly short shelf life. I don't know. To Tamner be in your 40s. Somebody used to interview him and ask him, what, he, what is he doing? Like, what did you start doing? He comes on Levitard's show a lot, take care of Miami yourself. guys. Like, what is it? Like, what can you, do you do anything that's out of the norm, or are you just a physical freak? Did you Basically, change your lifestyle? Like, what did you do? He says he's a freak. Like, he works out. He just loves football. He's a gamer and just loves football. Yeah, a lot of people love knows. football, but their body breaks the hell down. True. Like, I need to know what you're doing. Yeah, this I is love what football. his answer was. Yeah, your body just breaks down. At the running back position, yeah. science has proven the body breaks down. So there, he's an alien. Disproportionately more. So anybody, yeah, yeah, you're what the hell is going like on? Because he Newman, thinks it isn't normal. Yeah. One of your contemporaries, Rod, that came, y'all came out in the same draft, Terrence Newman. Terrence Newman played 15 years in the league. I think we're going to agree. 15 years at corner Dang. and 15 years at running back. back. Yes. Talk Brother, that years. I don't know how he's doing it, man. It's unbelievable. And the load that he's had to carry, it's not that he had load management. This dude was the focal point of an offense for like four, four five years. Like and he's were, not the finesse back or you're yeah. getting wide receiver. That's he's not just trying to hit the perimeter of, all the he time. He is bludgeoning he's straight the tackles. Ahead. That's crazy, man. I don't know. Sorry, we, that's a random tangent. No, the, 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 the it's only, worth mentioning. The only the other thing, the only yeah, thing yeah. to me that's crazier than that is you look at Bruce Matthews' career. Bruce Matthews played damn near 300 regular season games as an offensive lineman. That's, that's hardcore. And that is from that. From night, this yeah, is that's pretty, like, that's pretty like again, we go down like football rabbit holes on this yeah. show because that's just what we do. That's crazy. Think about this: Bruce Matthews is an offensive lineman, Rod, as an interior offensive lineman, <laughs> from 1988 to through 2001, <laughs> never missed a regular season start. <laughs> that's crazy, dude. Hey, I'm gonna love you, blue guys. So you ain't gotta tell me, man. That's yeah, crazy. So when, in Frank Gore, the way that. He, <laughs> 
<laughs> it just seems like no, no, another day at the office, like that's all he does is play football. It's all he wow. knows. He's like, well, he grew up in a one bedroom apartment with 13 people. It's like for him, he's like, he's been a guy that like football was he's something been that getting, was He's like, I got to get out of his house. It was his routine yeah. and his right. regimen. It's his life. And this is insane when you think about it like this. Bruce Matthews' rookie year was 1983, the year I was born. His last season to play was 2001, my senior year of high school. <laughs> that is crazy. That's Lily. That is unbelievable. I didn't realize that. So when I, I played, when I played my first game as a high school that. senior, Bruce Matthews had been playing pro football as long as I had been alive as an interior offensive, offensive lineman. lineman. That's in insane. a, in a, in a. That was in an era too where safety was not the top priority no. for the NFL. There wasn't no concussion protocol. You know, and I'm not I'm not doing that like, you know, air quotes to make fun of it. I'm saying the NFL was negligent and irresponsible back then, but they didn't take care of their players like they do today. That's old school football, bottom of piles, getting punched and kicked and jabbed and everything else. Man, yeah, that's crazy though. That's wild. Insane, that is so insane. Bruce Matthews props to you Shout for out, being man. a you and Frank Gore, man, shout out to play yeah. this game that, that long. That only T knew out. He was, you know, T knew, T knew T was good. 15 years. But that's corner, man. Corner, you can corner, you can avoid contact. Trust me, I play the game. You can avoid contact. Yes. You ain't got to get. He probably hits. Terrence probably hit, what, five, six it's times a game and hit somebody. Games. I was watching the you Texas Ohio State yeah. from 05. The only skill position guy left Ted Ginn. Exactly. He had figured out. You know, like, but, dude. In, get out you, of bounds. Dude, you talking about getting in that. In, in you know in the in the scrum there you know what I mean yeah. right there in between the tackles and that kind of stuff dude that is a different world that's a it takes grown men to be in there and a key indicator and, that Frank Gore Jr. will be great look what Matthews's family spawn ended up spawning and man, I Jake was, Matthews and Clay Matthews one of the like, greatest that's football just families in the of all family time. so I got a feeling Frank Gore Jr. might be in the league for I've 15 seen a years lot of too. I've seen a lot that's of really fun. good offensive linemen at the high school level Chantrell Henderson. Tyron Smith jumps out there. In terms of high school offensive lineman, man, Jake Matthews might be the best I've ever seen. Mm. Who's he with now? He's still with the Falcons, he's isn't still he? Still with the Falcons? Okay. I'm double checking. It. This has been a while. Yep, he's damn good. I just remember watching him at Fort Ben Elkins and thinking, that, dude, that dude's going to play in the NFL for 10 years. I don't know if he's going to do it for 17 years like his dad did, but. Why would he want to? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's going to make more money than his dad did in a short time span just because different areas. Yeah, Jake Matthews still with the uh, still with the Falcons. Uh, two years ago, yeah, they got a nice five-year, $75 million extension. So. Here's some quick frame gores. 12 NFL records, 12 seasons with 1,200 yards from scrimmage, and he has most consecutive seasons with at least 500 yards rushing 15, at least 600 yards rushing 14, and at least 700 yards rushing 13 tied with Emmitt Smith. Like, that's insane to be that consistent. Wow. That is freaky. This is nuts, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah. All right. So uh, I want to get to some buy or sell stuff in the time we've got left. And we're not definitely not going to get all these this week. We'll continue this in the next week's show. So, hey, if you're a subscriber, you already know what the topic of next week's show is going to be. Um, this, this, might, this kind of encompasses a lot of the offensive stuff we've talked about. So I want to go with this. We'll do one offense, one defense. We'll save the rest for next week. Okay. Buy or sell. Sam Ellinger is in New York at the end of the season for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. <sighs> Travis Crone, the best damn videographer in the podcast mm. game, has given us a thumbs up that he thinks Sam Ellinger oh, is going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I think he will. It's so hard. Listen, he should be because right now he's probably the third best quarterback in the country, yeah. at least in that conversation. Like, top five, at least. Some people really, you know, they'll throw 
uh, in addition to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I'll throw Sam Howell in there and some other guys in there. But Sam's right in that conversation. My concern is that he doesn't have proven commodities at wide receiver. It is a, a new system, but the system will focus on Sam. I think that actually Yurse is coming in with a new system helps Sam. Oh, man. I'm going to say sell. I'm going to say no. Mm. I think there will be like a Lawrence no. Fields. Yeah, because then whoever the hell Lincoln Rally coaches. Exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Whoever that guy is, he's got a special say. team. Now, I don't know if it's those spots. Some running back's going to make it. You know what I mean? I just don't know. And he doesn't have a lot of wide receivers. So his he may not even have a lot of thro- – like his numbers throwing the ball may not be that prolific, but we may see NFL caliber throws out of him because I think he's going to be throwing receivers open who can't create okay. separation. He's going to be throwing to leverage, meaning DB on the right shoulder, I'm throwing it on the left. He's going to have touch. We, we saw some of that last year. I think that will continue, but I wonder if the, he'll have the, the prolific productivity without – Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey and Devin Duvernay. Somebody's going to fill that, that role. Team success. Yeah, like just, it isn't like back in the day yeah. when Ricky could win a Heisman with eight wins or something. Like you yeah. nowadays have to be so like it, it, he could have win a great year or play in the Big Twelve. It, exactly, yeah. he could have a great year, and if Texas goes nine and three, he's probably not going to get invited there. No yeah. fault of his own, probably. But if he say is well, maybe not as good as the previous scenario, but Texas is twelve and one, you might be going to New York. He's so, going to need numbers like 2018 Sam. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you get 2018 Sam numbers without that wide receiving core number one. And I think a lot of the folks of the offense are going to be on that, that backfield. So let me ask you this. that's what the talent is. Can, can this offense and by proxy this team, can they both get to their ceiling if Sam Ellinger's not in New York? Mm, possibly, but... Probably yeah, it'd be, not. It'd be tougher, yeah. Probably not. Yeah. No. He'll yeah, help carry us. Because I, I don't yeah, think I don't right. think they can. I think no. they go hand in hand. Yeah, I agree with that. No, mm-hmm. no, he's got. Yeah, I mean, that basically, him going to New York is kind of what Matt says. It equals it somehow. It's going to equate to team success, or it's going to be linked to team success. Yep. So that'll mean yes, Texas is playing for a Big Twelve title, which means they probably won not ten games, nine or ten. And, and, and that ten, means he ten probably games takes the spot yeah. of that OU yeah. quarterback. Yeah, like and it's basically exactly. will come down to the OU quarterback if they win and go that way, or if Texas defeats Oklahoma and maybe Ellinger gets that seat. Yeah, no, it could. It, listen, Fields and Lawrence are going to be in it. I can almost exactly. That. They are almost predetermined to be in there. And like I said, Lincoln Riley, man, rightfully so. the first quarterback that he's like handpicked, I'm scared of that. Too. I was like, that's true. scary. Like, we like, everybody's like, ooh, thank God he didn't have a quarterback. I'm like, thank God this guy may actually be better because he's been grooming him. He really likes the little Spencer Rattler or whatever. Here are the odds. So, so that right, freaks me out. Right now, Fields, three and a half to one. This is according to Sportsbook AG. Mm-hmm. Lawrence, five to one. Yep. Spencer Rattler. You know he's in there. Twelve to one. But Sam Ellinger and Jamie Newman from Georgia are yeah. both yeah. at yeah. 14 to one. They're, They're tied. So, like, you're talking about Spencer Ratley at 12 and then Texas and then Newman. So it's going to right. be between right the there. two. Yeah, no, it can easily happen. I just. Uh. And then Chuba Hubbard at 20 to 1. How about that? Oh, Chuba. So, so Rod, let me ask you this. Do you yeah. think, I mean, because the debate is going to be between Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy. I think people would say Brock Purdy is the better NFL prospect. Yeah, they like Purdy. Uh, is, Sam Purdy. Ell- is Sam Ellinger the best quarterback in the Big 12? As a, as a college football player? Yeah, to take, I, take I the would NFL say so out. Right of now, it. yes. And right now, yes, I would say that. But like I said, if, if Spencer Rattler starts lighting it up next yeah. year, I wouldn't be shocked. Because remember, you know, come, like I said, before LSU, we were all sure that Sam's a better quarterback than Joe Burrow, and it's not even close. And LSU fans are saying that too. And literally, 
Yep. I mean, four games into the season, everybody's like, I, I think the Joe Burrow guy's better than Sam. So it, it, the conversation could change really, really quickly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think I think we're getting to the point where there are not going to be any down years for quarterback play in the Big 12. No. Because you look at this, you're like, oh, Jalen Hurts is moving on. And, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to Baylor with Charlie Brewer. Like, where's big quarterback play going to be in the Big 12? Well, Sam Ellinger's coming back. And Brock Purdy, I think people will call him the best NFL prospect of these Big 12 quarterbacks. And, Matt, you just mentioned Chuba Hubbard. Tylen Wallace is back. That's a hell of a lot of weaponry Spencer Sanders has. And he's got another year with Mike Gundy in that offense. good when he came to Texas, man. And Spencer Sanders is 40 to 1. He's on the list. And then you think about – Charlie Brewer, 60 to 1. You think about some of the young quarterbacks in this league that fly, like Max Duggan at TCU who flashed a little bit. Uh, I think West Virginia is kind of one of those – Sneaky teams that could. I don't think. I don't know if they're going to win the Big Twelve, but I think they could beat somebody that impacts who does win it. You know, if Jarrett Dagey ends up being the guy for for Neil Brown going forward, and Alan Bowman's been really good at Tech. He just hadn't been able to stay healthy. He's a hundred to one. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I want Big 12 has always been a quarterback conference. Say what you want. It's one of the great things about if I was recruiting DBs, I'd be like, dude, you want to play against the best quarterbacks in the country? You know, they're going to, every NFL scout is going to be watching these quarterbacks, right? Yep. And they're going to be watching you. The best passing attacks. The, yeah. so the best was, schemes. The best, yeah, to, to recruit DBs is pretty easy. It's like you want to play against the best offenses that the NFL is watching, not only to steal the schemes, but mm-hmm. they're also watching because they want to watch the quarterbacks and, our wide, and the wide receivers, which are highly coveted. Mm-hmm. They will see you. Whether they mm-hmm. want to see you or not, they're going to see you. Now, you, you may hurt your draft stock. You may be out there getting toasted. But <laughs> yep. uh, if you're out there, you made a couple of plays. Hey, man, you can rise against some nice right draft there. boards. Yeah, exactly. ask, ask Brandon Jones about it. You're like, oh, well, hell, Brandon Jones in the third round. Everybody's like, he's going to be, yeah, he's in the second tier of safeties. Now it turns out they, they like the way Brandon Jones matched up against Big 12 offenses and Big 12 wideouts. And, yeah. and, and LSU. If I was any other school in, in the Big 12, if I was Baylor, I'd be going around and just showing, it's like, hey, look at the skill position. Look at this NFL depth chart. Look at this depth chart. I'd be showing them the Chiefs. I'd be yeah, showing them. He's like, hey, man, these are all Big 12 guys. You know, if you want to come and show you can stop NFL guys, come here. You're damn right. So, on the Sam question, Travis behind the camera is uh, buying. He's Travis, thumbs, thumbs up. up. Uh, Matt, you're buying, Sam? Yeah, Rod, barely. I'm a seller. Rod, you're a seller yeah, right I'm now? Yeah, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I like that. I'm kind of 50, like, like 53-47 sell. Yeah. And this is where, it's like, close. it depends on how close it is because some years you get four or five, normally just four, but some years you get three when there's only three real candidates. And that's just where right no now Sam's the fourth best odds. You know, it's sort of Fields, Lawrence, but it could have been one of those three years where they just will take a third, look, and, a third and, and a fourth. And, and we not, and there's, uh, listen, there's always a chance somebody that's not even on that damn list that yeah. didn't even, that's not even on like any Joe radar Burrow. like Joe Burrow. And we've seen 30. that before, like that, not even on a list. Remember Colin Murray kind of did that. Like Colin Murray was wasn't on those lists. Everybody was like, oh, well, Kyler Murray's going to – he's the man. Well, because all these other quarterbacks in book, Notre Dame, Mac Jones, Alabama, yeah. Bo Nix, so Auburn. It, it could be somebody coming out of nowhere, too. Key. It's just – I think – so I'm just going – I'm going to sell. I love Sam. I think he's going to be great, but I'll sell on the high it, end. It comes, down, it comes down to two games where Sam has to have marquee games. And we talked about this last year when we talked about his Heisman odds. It comes down to LSU and Oklahoma. Yep. Mm-hmm. If Sam goes into Baton Rouge and they find a way to win that game, then – I think almost regardless of what his numbers look like, if they get that W, then he shoots up right in there with Fields and Lawrence. He's Amen. right in the thick of it. Yep. Um, by the same token, if he loses, if, if they lose that game, as we saw last year, Rod, regardless of what the numbers look like, you lose, then you're playing from behind, and then you basically have one game 
to make it up That's in the regular season. Like, yep. You got to win to get in, you know what I mean, to get in that conversation. So in theory, in theory, Texas could be 10-2 and two and Sam could have no shot. No, but if you beat Oklahoma and LSU, you'd be looking good. It depends on what that 10-2 and two is. Yeah. If that, those two losses are LSU and Oklahoma. Oklahoma <laughs> then, it's like, nah, yeah, you have no say. shot. You got to have that Heisman moment, right? You got. Yep. We all remember the Heisman moments of the Cam mm-hmm. Newton and the Kyler Murray. Third and 17. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you remember those moments. Where I was going. They keep like, throwing it. Like, exactly. So I, I, he's got to have that moment. He had, he had those in 2018, actually, randomly enough, but he yeah. wasn't going to be up for the Heisman because he wasn't on any radar back then. He has a season like 2018, which is also a season where they – you know, they, they competed for the Big 12 title, and they won, you know, double-digit games. So, getting back to the original yep. point that Matt made, you got to win, baby. And if, you, if, if he's marginal, it'll end up coming down. He has one thing in his side for an invite. The Heisman Trust might let the senior guy get an invite if he's on the cusp true. of coming. So, that's the that's only thing working And this Texas is the propaganda the machine. Only, exactly. It's it only is closed. The propaganda machine will start working all oh, yeah. the time. They want then L.A. Chan would like him to make it, the ESPN connection. He's a great story. So, yeah, I think if it's close, a, if it's close he, he may get pushed bump. over the top. Yeah, yeah. Going back to 2018, if you win that game against Maryland, I think we can all agree a lot of things are on a different trajectory at that oh point. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a great point. Because remember the number that the F, uh, college, uh, the Power 5 quarterbacks who had rushed for at least 15 touchdowns and thrown for at least 25 touchdowns, that short list of guys that all of them had won the Heisman except Sam Ellinger, Lamar Jackson, I think it was Cam Newton, it was like Marcus Mariota, Johnny mm-hmm. Manziel was on mm-hmm. that list. And, yeah, I mean, that 2018, that statistical year. Tim that Tebow a, was the other one. Tim way. Tebow was the other. That's a, that is a high, that was a Heisman caliber year. Like you said, it just – it took, I don't know, it was weird. It took a little while to, to materialize, right? Yeah. Because it started slow. It started behind when you lost that, to Maryland. That's how yeah. bad that Maryland, like it, took, it took you beating Oklahoma to get that Maryland taste out of your mouth. And even then, I don't think it was still all the way that's gone. great point. Well, and then you didn't Maryland. win the Big 12 championship. So then that, that's the tipping point. It's a different, yeah, you're right. It's a different conversation altogether. Interesting. Because at that point, let's just go revisit history. You beat Maryland, and then you beat USC at home. And you get that TCU monkey off your back, and you beat Oklahoma oh, at that point. One, at that point, you're the starting quarterback of an undefeated Texas team. Hell yeah, you're right in the thick of that. I was about to say, yeah, you probably ranked. just beat Kyler Murray, yeah. Yeah? No, you're right. What were they ranked after they beat Oklahoma? Sixth. Sixth? Yeah. Damn, so they, yeah, you, you might be like in the top yeah. three. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, All okay. Right, anyway, so, fan fiction. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I wanted what to else do we have to remember <laughs> right? these days? Remember? I want to get to another one, but you know what? This buy or sell stuff, we'll just save this for next week because there's some really good stuff. Oh, that was fun. To it I we'll, like uh, that. We'll save that for mm-hmm. next week. That's some buy or sell, some over-unders. We'll get into that next week. I just you know, felt Tease like... Tease me another one. Just tease it. We won't talk about it. What, what it would have been. We won't discuss it. Um, we talked about defensive turnarounds, Rob. What if I told you that in the first year of Manny Diaz, Vance Bedford, and Todd Orlando... Texas managed to finish with a top 30 scoring for total defense yeah. in each of those years. I remember those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen again, baby. It's happening again. Chris Ash, you can count on it. And you're, you're low, have a great you're, year. of those two categories, scoring defense and total defense, your worst ranking in the first year for those new coordinators? That was 28? 2017. Nah, okay. What was it? Todd Orlando's total defense, 41st in the 41st. country. 41st. Yeah. But you were ranked in the triple digits the year before. Yeah. And you're doing that in the Big 12, which means uh, insert us into, say, some same guys, ACC too, by the way. Most conference, of the same that defense, yeah. top 10. Oh, yeah, so, be good. Well, so, uh, yeah. If the offense is good, dude, they're going to be a good team. We know the defense is going to be good. 
So we'll get, right. we'll get all that that's next it. week. That's fine. That's Rod, they, uh, appreciate everything, man. Anytime, brother. Anytime. Matt, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, big thanks to Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast. For sure. Everybody for at sure. the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260. Streaming on the Horn app and the hornfm.com. You, you can get Rod B on the triple option each and every afternoon from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every day on Light the Tower from 10 to noon, and thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship all by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast, whether that's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.